Hey, friends of the pod, Abby here, jumping in before the episode to let you know about the content we'll be discussing. So this episode contains discussion of graphic violence, sexual assault, and self-harm, as well as a few mentions of the Columbine Massacre. There will also be spoilers for Scream 3 and Scream 4. I'm Abby. And I'm Brianna. And this is What's Next, a pop culture podcast for girls who cut their bangs too short. Hi, Abby. Not much. I'm drinking some wine. I'm trying to decompress from this week where I had to read some terrible performance studies text that was really difficult and do a fair amount of grading and student feedback. So I am uh, enjoying my wine and enjoying my upcoming chat with Abby. I too am (laughs) decompressing from... Well, I worked... uh, 40 hours this week. Well, tomorrow we'll make it 40 hours, of course. And uh, I'm also decompressing from being bullied by my siblings about how bad I am at Minecraft. Oh. Wait, okay, what's the objective of Minecraft? Like, what... I know you have to, like, you, like, build a house and you, like, build your own little community, but, like, how do you interact with, like, other players or, like, what is, like, the goal so, I'm not really a Minecraft expert, but I can try and share my understanding. 12 seconds later. That's the, the main idea. But apparently there's a way to be bad at it. <laughs> I make stupid decisions. I'm bad at fighting things. But usually I'm bad at fighting things because I make bad decisions. So, for example... Six and a half hours later. So then I die, and when you die, you lose all your stuff. And you, if you want to get it back, you have to go back to the spot where you died. And a lot of times, I can't find that again. One eternity later. Yeah, I'm still bad, and everything I build is ugly. I just know that uh, Helena Bonham Carter would have the dopest Minecraft house. Yeah. I was thinking about that yesterday. I'm like, damn. What are we talking about today? What deep dive are we doing today? Today, we are deep diving into Scream 3 and Scream 4. Yay! That's where the that's where the kid noise can go. Yeah, Scream Three and Scream Four are a doozy. We really enjoyed doing our last episode. I think there will be a lot more critique in this episode <laughs> because Scream Three and Scream Four are not the strongest movies. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about Scream 3 first, and then we'll talk about Scream 4. Chronologically, um, yes. But, yes, um, but I'm... <laughs> thanks, yeah. I'm sure we'll loop back to Scream 3, though, just because there's so much to say. Yeah, oh my gosh. Every time I watch Scream 3, I'll see something, I'll be like, I forgot that that happened. Even though I've seen it, I don't know, probably almost a dozen times at this point, like... I've seen it so many times and still every time I watch it, I, I like either notice something that I didn't notice before or like I'm reminded of things that I like literally completely forgot about because the movie is like such a wreck. I was thinking about this earlier, but I honestly think that the Scream cinematic universe would exist perfectly fine if there were no Scream 3. Oh, like yeah, if it just I agree. went from Scream 2 to Scream 4. And we can talk more about that 
when we get to Scream 4. Yeah. Because it would be fun to talk about, like, the legacy of where it leaves off and why it would have made the better ending of a trilogy. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Let's dive into Scream 3. So, Scream 3 kicks off with Cotton Weary's girlfriend getting slashed and then Cotton getting slashed. Sydney is minding her own business in the middle of nowhere. She's working as a phone agent for a women's crisis line. But then she gets a phone call from somebody else, but it's on her home line, uh-oh, and it's a really mysterious voice, and they seem to have a voice changer of some sort, and it emulates her mom's voice. She's also been having nightmares about her mom. So, meanwhile, Scream, uh, meanwhile, Stab 3 is being filmed, and the actors are upset because the script keeps changing, and it's hard to keep on top of everything. <laughs> But then actors from Stab start dying, and it appears that they're being killed in the order that their characters in the script are killed. At the scene of each murder, there is a picture of Maureen Prescott, Sydney's mom. So Sydney goes out to California, and she meets with a detective, Detective Kincaid, and she reunites with Dewey and Gail. So they decide to try and figure out who the murderer is. This movie has the best two guest actors of the whole series, so let's break that down. So first, we have Heather Matarazzo. Our generation would know her as Lily from The Princess Diaries, and she shows up and gives them a VHS tape, and it's a video that Randy made before he died. We briefly talked about this in the previous Scream episode, but he filmed it sometime after the second murder occurred in Scream 2. And since he's the expert on the rules of movies, he shares that this is a trilogy and that things are going to only get worse from here. So the second person who helps him out is none other than Carrie Fisher herself. She works in the film archives and she helps him find out that Maureen Prescott used to be an actor. So more people die and then they go to the producer's house for a big party. It's literally like clue but on crack yes um (laughs) then they find out that the voice changer isn't the normal ghost face voice changer but it can actually emulate anyone's voice so this whole time when they've been calling one another and it sounds like sydney's calling dewey it's actually not sydney it's ghost face with sydney's voice so messed up dude um Mm -hmm. more actors die some people live though and then uh it's revealed that Ghostface is, who's that guy? Oh, it's the director, and he's not wearing his glasses, though, so <laughs> you might not recognize him, but, like, trust me, that's that's who he is. And it's like, oh, okay, I thought it was Patrick Dempsey, but, like, if you say so, haha. Oh, he's also her half-brother, and also we're gonna retcon the past 12 years. Um, and that's fine. da 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 And then... That's my summary. And then there's the end of the movie. Um, yes. So, wow, where do you even start? Um, the only other character, I think, because I was thinking about this, I think who survives other than Kincaid, who is the te- detective, um, the main detective, is his partner, Detective Wallace. Like, I don't think he gets killed. Um, I don't think the Gale counterpart gets killed, No, does she, she does. Um, she gets killed oh. in the scene. She gets killed in the mirrors, right? Yep. 
Yeah, she does. Um, but yeah, Detective Wallace, I want to talk about him because he is a great character because they gave him, like, the best one-liners. And you, like, probably won't notice it if you only watch the movie, like, once, but, like... Yes. I oh notice it every time because he's just, like, super snarky. Like, I made a couple notes last time I watched this movie. I can't remember who it is that asked. It might have been the producer, Milton, that... I think he's, like, complaining about, like, is there any reason to suggest that, like, the ki- the murders are connected to this movie? And Detective Wallace just goes, the movie is called Stab. He was stabbed. <laughs> like, it's so, he just has, he's just so dry and I love it. Yeah, so I'm like, man, we really needed more of him. The Also, the other really tiny character who I think is funny is the bodyguard of Jennifer, played by Patrick Warburton. I believe he voiced Kronk in The Emperor's New Groove. That's why his voice is so, like, recognizable. Let me double-check that real quick, because I don't want to be wrong. Um, yes, it's Patrick Warburton. Um, and that character's really funny, too. He's, like, um... They just call him Stone. I think his first name is, like, Steve or Steven or something like that. Um, and he calls Dewey Dewdrop. And he just, like, kind of infantilizes him, and I think it's funny. <laughs> he also gets killed. He gets killed in a trailer. He gets, like, knocked out with a frying pan or something, and then he gets stabbed. Let's break down a bit of what confused me in the film. How much time do you have? I'm going to just talk about, like, the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, the retconning in this movie is just so... Well, something. that. So, yeah, the the ending. But let's... We'll table Let's that. talk about... <laughs> yeah, we'll table that. Put a pin in it. Um, when we watched these movies over the summer, Brianna warned me that Scream 3 was not the best of the Scream franchise. And yes. I was like, that's fine. Like, I don't care. I'll still enjoy it. And for the record, I did. And I do. However... I was very confused about a few things, and for the most part, nothing else had confused me in the Scream franchise as of that point, except for who Mickey was. Is that his name? Yeah. From the, the killer? Yeah. Because he hadn't been on screen for 40 minutes, mm-hmm. but then once you said who he was, I was like, oh, okay, cool. But this one, they're all sitting on the porch, the actors for Stab 3, chatting about Stab 3, and then... They talk about how people are dying in the order of the script. So what confuses me is Stab 1, which is shown in Scream 2, is based off of Scream. Stab 2, which is based off of Scream 2, roughly, we can assume, Mm -hmm. um, would have premiered between Scream 2 and 3. But now they're making Stab 3, but there there hasn't been any more events that we know of yet. So... We don't know who dies next because it's a fictional script in that world. And we only know because they tell us. But there's so many different versions of the script that we don't know. But, like, that was just so confusing to right. me that the way that they executed that because we we don't know what Stab 3 is about at all. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't, like the best i guess like understanding or like rendering of the killer's pattern as like you know a plot device um the other thing that like makes it confusing is that the set of stab three is Stu's house 
Um, right. Which so the it looks final like it's just going to be Scream. Again. Right. Yeah. And um, Jennifer, who's the actress who plays Gail, the movie version of Gail, um, is wearing Gail's lime green suit at the beginning of the movie. Um, there's a guy who plays Dewey. There's a character named Angelina who plays Sydney. And then Jenny McCarthy's character. Jen, Freaking Jenny McCarthy is in this movie. Uh, um, she plays a character. Or no. Jenny McCarthy plays Sarah Darling, who's an actress who is in Stab 3. But it's unclear to me, like, what character she's supposed to be. There's also a black actor. I can never remember his name because they didn't give him like any lines. So, um, but like, who is he playing? Is he playing Joel? Is he playing like the token person of color of Stab 3 who doesn't actually correspond to anything that's happened? Like, I think that's kind of what we assume because in that scene where they're all sitting on the porch, someone jokes with him about like taking the role and um, he talks about how, like, there's not a lot of roles for yeah. black men. And I'm like, fair? Yeah, he's not even in the first, like, 20 people build in this movie. Yeah, he, he has a very small role. Yeah, he does die. Oh, he his character's name is Tyson, that's right. Um, yeah, so that's the other thing that makes it really unclear whether there's, like, a counterpoint to him. But it's pretty clear that there's, like, not. He's one of the only, I believe, people in the film who don't have... An on-screen death, if I'm correct. Um, I think you're right because somebody goes outside and sees him dead. And he's just dead. We don't know how he died. Yeah, Sydney comes across him when um, she's coming to the house, I right. believe. And everyone else, even if we don't, like, see the moment they die, we, like, see the other side of the wall or something so we know what happens. But yeah, he just kind of comes out of nowhere. I wonder if there was something cut. Because there, there were a lot of things cut for this um, film from the original script. And that's where a lot of the meta jokes about, like, the script keeps changing came from. And they had different versions of the script in case it leaked, for mm -hmm. one. But then... There was also two different screenwriters. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's... Well, let's talk about that now, actually, because... Yeah, I think it'll help us talk about the rest of the thing. So, um, Kevin Williamson, who is the screenwriter who wrote the first two movies, he created the entire concept of Scream, all the characters. Um, it's Scream is his. Um, so he was, like, supposed to write Scream 3, and it's not entirely clear to me why his script, like, why he didn't continue writing it and why he was not the one who was oh, credited. Oh, I've heard why. I okay. Um, and instead it was written by Aaron Kruger. And supposedly, I did also read that, like, Wes Craven, the director, rewrote parts of it, like, helped him rewrite parts of it because he was like, this is so far off from, like, the Scream characters that this is, like, no. Like, it's not gonna work. My understanding of what happened is, um... Kevin Williamson wrote, like, a draft, and then because of the nature of the Scream franchise, so much of the rewrites occur on set, um, and I believe that's to, like, 
prevent leaks and make changes when things just don't work when they're filmed things like that like things are very fluid however um when they were scheduling filming they could not make it so both nev campbell and kevin williamson could be there so they had to choose so they went with nev campbell because you can't really have scream without sydney yeah and even so um she was on a really tight schedule schedule because she was a filming they only got her for 20 days yeah and she was filming party of five which was the show she was on for a long time and a movie at the same time so like they could not have her for very long which is why she even still even though they negotiated so that they could fit nev campbell's schedule like she was also hardly in the movie my question why the fuck did carrie fisher not get on their asses she could have fixed that thing. Yeah, she could have fixed the whole thing, really. Um, I read one of the IMDb trivia in that she rewrote some of her lines for her character. Which, like, you can tell because, like, it has her it has her stamp on it. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the, the other couple of things that's worth mentioning about this script is um, the original ending. Um, it was supposed to be that it was supposed to be Stu. It was supposed to be he was still alive and he was running like a ring of high schoolers that were committing murder from his jail cell. And he was supposed to be revealed at the end to be alive and have like a one-on-one with Sydney. And part of the reason, yeah. And part of the reason they decided not to do that was not just because of the unfeasibility that Stu would still be alive and nobody would have heard about it, Also because this was filmed in 1999 and released in 2000, which was around the Columbine High School Massacre. So there was a lot of discourse about, like, violence in movies and concern about setting violence in a high school setting or, like, um, associating high schoolers with, like, violence and murder and stuff like that. So that's part of the reason um which is also the reason why scream 3 is so tame violence wise in my opinion it's like well we talked about this when we were watching it is like in some ways it's the least violent movie in terms of like there's not as many stabbings but when you get to the end of it like the last 20 or 30 minutes there is so much shooting like they just use guns so many times that i'm like I think that's more problematic. About, yeah. If you're concerned about Columbine, but you just bring more guns, I was like, you guys? Yeah, and there was some trivia about how, like, um, like this was the least amount of fake blood used in any of the Scream movies. I'm like, okay, but, like, there was so much gun violence in this movie. So, like... And it was mainly the end, so, like, I think we also talked about before, like, they really just shifted all of the the violence to happen in, like, the last scene or two, instead of having it throughout the movie, because, like, the rest of the movie is super tame, like, the crazy thing that happens is there's a house explosion, like, um, Jennifer's house explodes because of, like, a gas leak and a fire, um, and kills the actor that was playing Dewey, um, in Stab. So, like, that was, like, their creative way of, like, making it less explicitly violent. And I'm just like, okay. Maybe that's part of why it doesn't work as well is because even though in Scream there are some creative deaths, like Tatum's death 
mm-hmm. is is not a stabbing. Um, Stu doesn't die for, from a stabbing. Yeah, it's like a house, a huge house explosion. Is just so like extreme. Like that's some Grey's Anatomy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's more of like an action movie trope than like a horror movie trope. Like this movie to me doesn't feel like a horror movie. It feels more like a murder mystery type thing with some action, which, like, I've always thought of it as, like, the Scooby-Doo of the Scream franchise because it just, like, kind of just feels like a Scooby-Doo movie to me. Um, And I was... That's fair. And I was entertained to see that on IMDb. I was actually scrolling through the trivia and it said, like, considered among Scream fans as the Scooby-Doo version of Scream due to the finale of the film being set in a mansion with secret passageways. That's, like, what makes people think of Scooby-Doo. And I just think of it as Scooby-Doo in terms of, like, the campiness and just, like, the, um, the, like, tameness of the violence. The ghost hallucinations. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It's it's very Scooby-Doo vibes. I feel like as a movie, like, I still love it as, like, a movie, but it just doesn't f- have, like, a Scream feel to it. Like, it doesn't feel as much like a Scream movie as the others do. Uh, you know what's funny with this one is, so, we talked about last time how many people I've made watch the Scream movies. Yeah. When my friend Mina watched this one with me, I told her as well that, like, Scream 3 was not considered the best of the franchise so you know just stick it out she loved it (laughs) that's amazing literally it's her favorite screen movie and we got to the part where um patrick Dempsey is in his office and he's like looking out at sydney Mm -hmm. um and she's like it's him i know it's him and i was like okay sure And when he shows up at the mansion, she's like, it's Patrick Dempsey. And I was like, why? What's his motive? And she said, I don't know. I think he's like her long lost brother. Oh my gosh. And she She literally guessed. Yeah, she like had the wrong person, but she was right that it was like a long lost brother. So she was so shook when that turned out to be true. So she just loved it. Great. Good for her. <laughs> um, this is actually the first Scream movie I saw. Like, I didn't see the other ones before I saw this one. I had only seen... And I didn't see it in its entirety. It was, like, on a random TV channel when I was younger. And I watched, I think, like, about the second half of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is Scream 3. Um, so this was actually, like, the f- first one I saw. Even though, like, I already knew what happened in all of the other movies. But... Um, you did? How did you know? Because I read about it. Because I was, like, aware that I probably wouldn't be allowed to see them. Because I was only, like, gotcha. 13 or 14 at the time. Um, but like I said in the previous episode, like, I loved Courtney Cox, so I needed to know, like, everything about, like, what her oh, work was. Oh, that makes sense. So okay. I had read about it. So gotcha. I... Gotcha. Yeah, I was gonna say, if, if Kristen Chenoweth had been in it, then I could see, like, myself, I would have looked it up. <laughs> So that, that makes more sense in context. Right, yeah. So I wasn't sure if you, like, knew through pop culture no. and, like, word of mouth. Because I didn't know who any of the killers were going in, which is actually kind of surprising. But, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to, like, preserve it for you. Because I was, like, I want her to 
guess and I want to see her like guess and like not know who it is because like I didn't get to have that surprise because I ruined it for myself um which is fine I'll be surprised in Scream 5 I get another chance um we hope yeah I (laughs) hope we'll be surprised on Twitter I blocked um like I muted like Scream 5 spoilers Scream spoilers like every variation of Scream 5 spoilers like that phrase you could possibly think of I muted it (laughs) Because I really want to experience this authentically. Um, There's a couple other things. Oh, one of the fun facts I found is that Taya Leone was considered for the role of Jennifer Jolie. Really? Yeah. I don't know how well known she was at that time, but she had been in a handful of movies. Yeah, she would have been like, I feel like she would have been so different in that role, but she would have been like still really funny. Um, Because like Parker Posey is like so funny in that role. Um, That's like probably the most well-written role in of like a new character in this movie um and her and gail together is so funny (laughs) because gail just hates her because like she's trying to method act so she's trying to figure out everything that gail is and does um and so she follows her around everywhere because she's like you know i know i'm the next person to die in this movie so if the killer's looking for me, that means they're actually looking for you. So I'm going to follow you all around everywhere so that they'll kill me in front, or they'll kill you instead of me. Makes sense? And Gail's like, no. Um, and they kind of become like buddies, even though Gail does not want her help. And it's, and it's just, that just makes it even like more creepy that like Dewey and Jennifer have a thing when Jennifer is like playing Gail. Like, it's very clear that he's hung up on Gail. So you mentioned that a previous version of the script had Stu. Um, We also know that a previous version of the script, and I believe what they began filming with, had two killers. So it was the director, Roman, Mm -hmm. is that his name? Okay. So it was the director, Roman, as well as um, Angelina. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I might have seen that oh. at some, I might have seen that at some point, but it yeah, is so lost that's what they, in my memory. When they like filmed a good amount of the movie, she was supposed to be the second ghost face. I wonder for what reason. I mean, they definitely set her up as a suspect because she's kind of like She's just kind of, like, twitchy. Like, I don't know how else to describe her. Like, she's just kind of yeah. strange and suspicious. She, because she likes the director, so she just kind of got tangled into it. Because mm. I think she says that she, well, she slept with Milton, who's the producer, who's, like, an old guy. Um, do you, do you want to talk about, um, Milton and Sydney's mom and who produced these movies um, (laughs) in um, cinematic parallels. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, uh, was there anything else we wanted to say about how Jennifer was a suspect? Slash the original second killer? Not Jennifer, um, Angelina. Angelina, yes, thank you. Um, One thing I was thinking about when I was watching this movie the last time I watched it was, um, Like, it almost would have made more sense if, like, she was, like, Sydney's half-sister or something. To me, I don't know. 
like I was just thinking about like what if that made more sense but I don't know if there was really a way to make this movie make sense um I was reading about how like a secret relative is actually like a trilogy trope like a character who is not previously known you know comes into being as being like the enemy or like the catalyst for the conflict Oh, interesting. Um, so that was interesting. I was like, okay, so this choice is somewhat substantiate- substantiated by, like, the way these movies reference other movies. Yeah, I think it would be fine if he hadn't masterminded everything. Yeah, because that just, like, it just retcons so much. Because it's, like, so... Billy decided to kill Sydney's mom because she, she was having an affair with his dad and was the reason that his mom left. And then his mom went and tried to kill Sydney because she killed Billy for trying to kill her. And so it's like, so Roman somehow was the was puppet he involved master? with Scream 2? Meaning, like, did he have any contact with Mrs. Loomis? I don't think so. It's my understanding okay. that, like, after Billy did what he did, like, Mrs. Loomis did what she did, like, on her own okay. accord, not directed by Roman. That's what I, that's what I thought. Yeah. But it would be, see, that would have been something interesting to explore, too, is, like, the effect that his original plan had. Yeah. Because technically, then, he didn't, like, write the, the trilogy. He just wrote two of the movies. And the middle was, like, luck. Right. Um. Yeah, and, like, Scream 2, I mean, I guess it's easier to do because it's only the second movie in the franchise. Like, is very in tune with what happened in the first Scream. And then Scream 3 almost acts as if Scream 2 didn't happen. Yeah. Because, and I and part of that is just like the trilogy structure. Like I guess it is more about like the original events than like the secondary events, but like the two main I guess like through lines is Sydney wears the Greek letters that Derek gave her in the second movie for whatever reason. Um and like just Gail and Dewey's relationship are the main th- and like I guess the stab franchise. Um like the stab cinematic universe. But other than that, like, oh, and I guess that Randy's dead, but, like, yeah, so, like, there's no mention of Mrs. Loomis, there's no mention of Mickey at all, and, like, the murders that took place in Windsor College, so, (laughs) it's like, okay. Um, okay, Milton. Yeah, so let's talk about Milton. One of my questions about Milton, okay, so Milton is an older gentleman- um, character who plays the producer of the Stab movies and he's like a renowned horror producer, like specifically horror movies and he's been around for decades. Um, one of my questions is, is Milton Roman's dad? Is that mm. possible? Because like Roman doesn't mention who his dad is. Um, I don't think... And we know that 
Roman is the result of Sydney's mom's time being an actress. And we also know that Sydney's mom and Milton had sex slash there was like a date rape type situation happening. I so, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can see that he might be the father, not the other stuff, which is like canon. That sentence did not make sense. <laughs> it's fine. I'm going to cut that sentence anyway. So. Editing. The magic of editing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can see that, that he's might be Roman's father, but also, like, because of the character of Angelina, who mentioned sleeping with a director, <laughs> and who is the blonde? Doesn't she also mention sleeping with Roman? Yeah, she, yeah. she definitely does. Or um, Jennifer slept with Roman, I think. Yeah, because they talk about it. Yeah, I mean, Sarah, who's the blonde, may have as well, but Jennifer definitely did because they talked about it, for sure. Um, Because of that, I sort of think that Roman's father must have been a director. Yeah, because, I mean, and... like, Roman is interested in, like, he is a director and he is interested in film, so I think that might also yeah, make more and sense. Yeah, and, like, if he's interested in his parents, period, it would be interesting for him to like pursue what he does through directing a movie to get at his mother because that's how his parents met yeah it's very freudian of him um yeah so there's not he doesn't ever he doesn't really mention like who his father is and it's like it makes me wonder like does he know who his father is does he think his father is somebody else because it like maybe it's really Milton, but he thinks it's somebody else. I like it's very it's very unclear to me. I feel like that's like a complete plot hole in this movie. Like, who is Roman's dad? Then does he know who his dad is? Who was he raised by? Was he raised by anybody? Um, but he just knows that Rena Reynolds slash Maureen Prescott was his mom. According to Scream.Fandom.com, Milton is his father. Really? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Where does he get the last name Bridger then? I guess that could be like his career name because I don't think Milton's last name is Bridger. Oh, it's John Milton. Yeah. So interesting. He was adopted. Oh, so like. Yeah, because he says he was looking for his birth mother. So that makes sense. So I guess maybe there is a mention of Milton being Roman's real dad. Oh, yeah, it says eventually he became Rowan's mentor in filmmaking, unaware that Roman was his son. I feel like that is really skimmed over. Yeah. Um, let me see what else. Okay, so... Yeah, it never has, like, a... a, a re- they never have, like, a, recogn- a reckoning. Oh, and then this just says there's speculation. Oh, in the original script, Gail and Dewey find a paternity test. Gail says, paternity test results. You're never going to believe who Milton's kid is. So in the original script, it said that Milton is Roman's father, and that was cut. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and this is, like, really gross, but, like, you know, like, part of the reason that Roman's paternity is questionable in, this is, like, implied, um, is because there was, like, an incident with the you know, the parties that Milton used to throw back in the day that, like, Milton and his friends gang-raped her. Yikes. Big yike. So... So, did Roman direct the first two Stab movies? 
I don't think so. I get the impression. I think this is his directorial debut, or is or it's like the biggest directing job that he's had so far because it's for a that doesn't franchise. make sense to me. Why not reveal him as the director of the first two scream or the first two stab movies because that would have helped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because, like, now somebody else told the story that he was in charge of. Yeah. And, like, well, part of the thing with the Stab movies, though, is that none of the same people are already in that are in them. Because the people who were in the original Stab movie, which takes place during Scream 2, um, or, like, is premiering during Scream 2... Like, Tori Spelling plays Sydney and David Schwimmer plays Dewey. Like, they talk about that. And those are not the actors that are playing them in Stab 3. So I think Stab is just known as, like, a cursed franchise that, like, the same people refuse to work on because of what's associated with it. Um, so I guess, like, that's the justification for, like, why Roman wouldn't be involved. But that's also yeah. what makes, like, the retcon not make sense. Because, like, he would have known that Sydney didn't die after the first scream. So why did he not try and kill her for the second scream movie then? Why did he wait so long? Yeah. If that was, like, the plan. Or was he just satisfied with Maureen being killed for a while and then spiraled and was like wait never mind <laughs> yeah maybe a lot of things that don't make and why is neil prescott still alive when he's the one who slammed the door on his face it's also a good point do you think they i mean would don't get me neil? wrong i'm glad neil prescott's alive because i really like that man yeah and like sydney needs like somebody in her family to be alive but I think it's implied in Scream 4, or like an original script in Scream 4, that he is dead. By like, by like natural causes, yeah. Really? I feel oh, like shit. I remember reading that somewhere. Like, I think as of Scream 4, he's no longer alive. Which is sad, because that means Sydney like, has nobody. <laughs> She's too young to have endured this Yeah, tragedy. it's his father deceased. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh no... No, that's really upset. Upsetting. Yeah. I can't even speak, bro. Yeah, it says Wes Craven said that um, Neil passed away in between the events of the third and fourth film. Oh. Presumably caused by heart attack and what sparked Sydney to write her self-help novel out of darkness. Oh, not me crying over Neil Prescott. I know, that's so, it's honestly so sad. I mean, he's been through a lot, too, because, like, his wife had this, like, secret life and secret identity, and she was murdered, and then... Oh, man. And then people have been after his daughter for years and years, literal decades. Whatever, my headcanon is that he's still alive. Yeah. Um, I guess a couple more things about, like, Sydney's mom and... While we're on the topic of uh, sexual assault. Um, so, the thing that does make sense in this retconning of Maureen Prescott being an actress, to me, is that this is where her, like, trauma starts. Um, because she was taken advantage of by, like, 
powerful men in the industry and um there's this whole thing in the franchise about Maureen being a slut as much as I disagree with the that characterization as a concept um it's something that continues throughout and it's like especially prominent in the first movie and in the third movie because of like the affairs she was having um when Sydney was in high school and then her quote unquote like sleeping around while she was in Hollywood slash being taken advantage of by men in order for her career and there's like there's you know psychology psychological studies that suggest that like sexual trauma leads to sexual promiscuity for some people so I'm like okay so it provided a nice background or not a nice background story but like a a, a believable background story for Sydney's mom being the way that she was um which also makes me wonder like what the relationship between Sydney and her mom was because like nobody knows that much about like Sydney's mom's personality or like life other than the fact that she was having affairs and she looks like Michelle Duggar <laughs> oh man I haven't seen a picture of Michelle Duggar in a while so I don't remember what she looks like I'll have to look oh my gosh she does they have like the same hairstyle <laughs> yeah oh dear yeah so like that makes me wonder like what Sydney's relationship with her mom is and possibly slash likely what like Sydney's sexual trauma is well, she lost her virginity to the guy who tried to kill her, yeah. yes. <laughs> so And killed her mother. And killed her mother, <laughs> so that's extremely traumatic. Um and like we I think we mentioned the last time, like um she felt really uncomfortable with having sex with Billy after her mom died because in her mind her mom had been raped, so like she was already traumatized by that, and then she had sex with Billy, and then she found out that Billy was trying to kill her. So, um, and killed her mom. So that's just doubly traumatizing. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of wondering, like, what the relationship was when Sydney was in high school before her mom died. And, like, yeah. Um, we had talked about Scream 2 and its relationship to Scream 3. One of the opportunities that they could have had or that they could have used was um they're on the set of scream three. Oh my god they're on the set of stab three in scream three in scream two sydney was a theater major what if they like brought in sydney as playing herself yeah or like had her on the film in some other you know maybe she was like been like not a director a technical but like an advisor producer. in the sense that yeah, Dewey like gone was. Into... Yeah. Yeah, so Dewey he really is out here being a dramaturg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dewey's the up. dramaturg of Stab Three. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she would have though at that point, because part of the thing about Sydney is that she gets like increasingly more like jaded, obviously traumatized as like the series goes on. So like to me it makes sense that she's living in isolation. Because, like, she's so young still. 
Like, she's only... Let's see, it's four years since the movie. So she's, like, 22-ish years old. Like, she, if she finished college after all that, like, she's basically, like, fresh out of college at that point. She's literally our age. Yeah, she's literally our age. What the fuck? And has already... Like, people have already tried to kill her three times. So... <laughs> Are you eager to work on a set of a movie if somebody's tried to kill you two and then almost and then three times? Like, yeah, that's fair. Um, do we want to talk about the cinematic parallels of the Weinstein Company being involved in this movie slash essentially being responsible for these movies' existence? Yeah, let's get it over with. Yeah. Okay. So the Weinstein Company produced. Slash, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they produced and made these movies happen, essentially. Um, The quotes I've seen, I didn't know that much about Bob Weinstein, who's Harvey Weinstein's brother. um, Until reading more about, like, the Scream movies. Oh, hey, there's a section on Wikipedia dedicated to this. <laughs> Called Post-2017 Reevaluation. And it says, in the wake of the scandal involving Scream Films, executive producer Harvey Weinstein, several publications noted the parallels between Weinstein's behavior and the themes of abuse featured in the film, particularly those involving Maureen Prescott, the late mother of the film series protagonist, Sydney. But it is interesting now that there's, like, a whole section on Wikipedia, on the Wikipedia page for Scream 3, like, dedicated to this, like, issue, um, and, like, how in wake of, like, Me Too and, like, Harvey Weinstein, the Harvey Weinstein stuff, like, more people, like, revisited this movie as, like, um, an example of, like, the role that sex plays and, like, obviously gendered power dynamics um, in the industry and how they, you know, maybe could have gone farther with critiquing that, but it also was not really of that time to be doing that yet. Um, Yeah. um, I think that's it for Scream 3. We didn't talk about Gail's bangs. I literally just thought of that. I was like, fuck. <laughs> okay, so the, the other part of this movie is um, Gail Weathers, the character, again, with her interesting fashion choices. She has, like, a ketchup and mustard look at the very beginning of the movie, or in, like, this, you know, the second scene that she's in. When she goes on set, she's wearing a, like, pale yellow pantsuit with a red undershirt. And she has a yellow purse. So it's this, like, monochromatic color pop look and her bangs are so short and they look so not good and for the longest time I was like that cannot be her real hair but when doing research for this episode I discovered it was indeed her real hair like Courtney Cox got got her hair cut like that um because and she and David Arquette got married like a month before this movie started being filmed um and he was like you should cut your hair like um 
Betty Page, who I guess was a pinup girl. I didn't know anything about her, but she was known for having very short bangs. Um, and I'm just like, I can't believe somebody let her get her hair cut that badly. And that's like everybody's most glaring remark about Scream 3 is like, what's the deal with Kale's hair? What's the deal with Courtney Cox's hair? And it was so absurd to me that I just always assumed it was a wig, but it was not. It was her real hair. And I just like Unfortunate. I know, and I just like don't know how she got away with that because like she was still filming Friends at the time. And this movie, like according to my research started filming roughly in July of 1999. So that would mean she would only have like a month or two for the bangs to grow out enough for her to be on friends and have her hair look normal. So, and her hair does look normal on friends on like, I mean, that's probably what, like season five or six of friends. Like her hair never didn't look normal then. So I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Interesting I mean, bangs choices. grow pretty fast. Yeah, they do grow pretty fast. Yeah, I've had some pretty bad bang moments myself. Yes. But it's okay. Dear listener, Abby cuts her own bangs. She does a pretty good job. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do that good of a job at it. So, like, I applaud her for that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I just, uh, it's fine. I've had a few moments. I've been cutting my own bangs since uh the end of february of 2018 yep because you did not had bangs for a while yeah you did not have bangs when i met you and it's like so weird to look at like old pictures of us now and like old pictures of you and you'd like not have bangs because i feel like it's just like been absorbed into your personality so yeah my bob and my bang yep okay scream four (laughs) I don't think it. this will take as long because Scream 4 is a lot easier and has a lot fewer issues, in my opinion. Alright, fair. Uh, let's let's do, like, two minutes, though. Yeah, I think this movie actually can be explained in two minutes. Um, so Scream 4 happens roughly ten years later from Scream 3. The Scream franchise was supposed to be just a trilogy, but they decided, hey, let's do a reboot because that is what the 2010s were slash are is let's do a reboot or a remake. Um, So Scream 4 was filmed in 2010 and released in 2011. It takes place in Woodsboro again. Sydney's returning to Woodsboro to tour a self-help book she wrote called Out of Darkness that is presumably about her healing journey after all of these killings. Uh, but on the eve of her return, some high school students get killed. And it's, you know, presumably related to the anniversary of the Woodsboro massacre because they're coming up on the anniversary of, yeah, they're coming up on the anniversary of Sydney's mother's death as well as the original Woodsboro killings. Meanwhile, Gail and Dewey are married. They've been married for 10 years. Um, They're having problems because Gail has writer's block and she needs something exciting to happen in her life again so she can write about it. Luckily for her, a murder spree is about to happen again. So the original three, other than Sydney, isn't in this movie as much. It pretty much follows the formula of the first movie for the most part. 
Sydney is staying with her aunt and her cousin. Her cousin Jill is a high school student. And her aunt is her mother's sister, Maureen's sister. And so that's the whole thing. Is when Sydney goes to visit, she's staying with the cousin's name is Jill, the high schooler. She's played by Emma Roberts. And her friends are tangentially involved with the people who are getting killed. Her best friend gets killed, or one of her best friends gets killed. Um, they want to go to a stabathon, which is a marathon of all the stab movies that takes place on the anniversary of the murders. And they're obviously concerned about that because parties is when murders happen. And eventually, more people die. Gail gets stabbed. She's in the hospital. There's chasing of Sydney, and Ghostface ends up getting her to go to Kirby's house. Kirby is one of Jill's friends. That's where, like, the final murder scene is supposed to take place. It's revealed that. Jill is one of the killers, as is Charlie, her friend, who's supposed to be parallel to, like, a Randy or a Stu-type character. And Jill's reason for wanting to kill Sydney is because she wants to be famous for being the sole survivor. So she's going to frame her ex-boyfriend, and she wants to be the only one who survives because she's only ever had her hear about Sydney her entire life and wants to get some attention. That's it. <laughs> that's her motive. Um, so that's the false ending. And then they're all in the hospital. And Dewey tells Jill that Sydney is probably going to live. So Jill flips her shit, finds Sydney's hospital room, goes to kill her. Um, can't do it because Sydney and Gail, with the help of Judy, who's a blonde cop that flirts with Dewey a lot. Um, distract her and stop her and end up killing her and defeating her and Sydney, Gail, and Dewey live and Judy. The end. That was like five minutes, but it's fine. Okay, that pretty much summarizes it. Let's see, what to dive into first? Well, some exciting news about this I film. hope you're gonna t tell the fun fact that we've all been waiting for. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure which fun fact, but probably Scream 4 was filmed about 10 minutes from where I live. Yes, that's what I was going to say is Scream 4. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Was Scream 4 <laughs> is filmed very close to where There's I live. There's a lot it's of like... places that are 10 minutes from Northville and Ann Arbor and Plymouth. They are all suburbs of Detroit. So guess which suburb of Detroit Abby is from? And then you can guess which <laughs> suburb of Detroit I'm from. Um, yeah, so Scream 4 was filmed in the great state of Michigan. Um, yay! Yay! We were joking before we uh, recorded this episode that we want to email Gretchen Whitmer herself and ask her what she thinks about Scream 4. Yes. In case you aren't from Michigan or don't keep up with state politics, Gretchen Whitmer is the governor of Michigan. We and call her Big Gretch lovingly. Mama Big Gretch has got us. Yes, she's been. I added the mama because she just has like the mama bear. Energy. Yeah, she has mom energy. Um, she has been, um, arduously trying to protect us from coronavirus despite the wishes of Donald Trump. And she was almost fucking kidnapped. And she was almost kidnapped by right wing militia groups. <laughs> Again, in the great state of Michigan, which is apparently, like, top five hotbeds for militia activity. 
in the country. So pure Michigan. Pure Michigan. Tim Allen voice. The show is appropriate for all ages. This show is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Yeah, we love you, Big Gretch. Yes, we do love you, Big Gretch. This podcast episode is brought to you by Governor Gretchen Friend Whitmer. of the pod, Gretchen Whitmer. Yes. Um, so let me highlight a couple of locations because I found this handy-dandy Scream film location guide for Michigan. So Woodsboro High School um, was actually Woodsworth Middle School in Dearborn, Michigan. That's where they filmed the school scenes. Um, the bookstore where Sydney's doing her book tour is... That's uh, is a, next yep. chapter in downtown Northville. And I have been there. I got a crepe and it was really good. Um, and this was before I knew that it was Scream 4 yeah. was filmed there because now COVID. Um, you can continue. I'll come back to yeah, I've next chapter. I've actually always wanted to go there because like when I found out that this movie was filmed in Michigan, I was like oh my gosh, I gotta go to, like, all the places, and that's, like, the main place I want to go, so I can say I went to the Scream 4 bookstore. Um, I can't say I would want to go to the Detroit Medical Center Women's Hospital. I would hope to not have a reason to go there. Um, but that's where the hospital scene was filmed, in an actual hospital, so that's pretty cool. The old 16th District Court in Livonia is um, a courthouse that stood in for the Woodsboro Police Station, so that's pretty cool. Um, those are a couple of the locations. And then the houses that they used were in Northville, Ann Arbor, um, and Plymouth. And, I mean, there's some really large, beautiful houses in this movie. <laughs> so, when I was watching this, I knew it was filmed in Northville, and... The whole time I was like looking for like things I recognized specifically in downtown Northville, like on Main Street. Um, so there's next chapter, the bookstore, and then it's so wild because there's like shots where you can just sort of see the building next door, which is Great Harvest Bread Company. And next door to that is a theater. And like I worked on that street for like several summers so it's so wild that like i know what's one more door down i know what's in the shot i went to great harvest um several times for lunch on different days and then like i've been to the next chapter like i said i got a crepe there so it's just super cool to like see a place i recognize be in a movie yeah and the other cool thing we recognized which i literally don't think i realized until last year is that michigan actor john leopard is in this movie um and john leopard is oh shit yeah he is um an instructor at the school abby and i went to for college which is michigan state um he's an instructor of acting he co-founded the williamston theater which is a professional theater company nearby um and he is also the father of my freshman year RA. So there's a lot of connections. Um, Who does he play? He plays the high school teacher. He has a few lines. Oh. I thought I pointed that out to you when we watched it, but maybe not. I think maybe I just don't remember. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we once again are like a few degrees away, a few degrees of separation away from this film, <laughs> as it turns out. Um, so that's pretty cool. So now that we have that out of the way, those are the fun facts, I would say, about this movie. We have one more, which is that our, our local news guy is actually yes! in the film. Local for Detroit Local 4 news anchor Devin Skillian. He's like the, he's an evening anchor, right? For Local 4. Yeah, he does like the 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Yeah, eight. yeah. And he's pretty cool. So he's very recognizable to us. Yeah, um, for everyone in like South Metro East Detroit, Michigan, yeah, <laughs> Southeast Michigan, yeah. we're like, holy shit, it's Devin. <laughs> um, other than that, what about Scream Four? Do we have to say? So Scream Four, in my opinion, is very slow. However, it is worth watching for the last twenty minutes. It's worth watching the film for the scene where Emma Roberts becomes so unhinged. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like that scene. It's so disturbing. Life into me. Yeah, it's so like I don't I feel like that scene, that sequence is just like something that I vibe with. Oh my gosh. Yeah, when I was younger that scene really bothered me because I don't like watching people hurt themselves is really upsetting um but i think like now that i've seen it so many times i'm more desensitized by it but it used to make me cringe just so hard um mm. because listener what happens is that um she wants to frame herself as the sole survivor having killed off everybody um and to be found by paramedics and the police so she like self mutilates and it's uncomfortable <laughs> Yeah. Um, Completely unhinged. Though. I'll describe a little bit more of, like, the details. So, first, uh, I might have the order slightly off, but, like, you guys get it. Um, So, first, she has a knife to her shoulder, and she can't just, like, stab herself. So, she, like, oh, runs God. into a wall, so it, like, digs itself in. Yeah. Um, She smashes, like like a painting yeah like she a, a basically frame. like rams into a wall painting and breaks the glass yeah and then uh my favorite part <laughs> she does like a dive into the glass coffee table and it shatters around her it's so good you guys oh my god it's so literally <laughs> so amazing like i live for this three minute sequence. oh my gosh it's yeah so she also good. uses her ex-boyfriend who's now dead on the floor his fingers to rip out a piece of her hair yes and she also tears her skin up with it right doesn't she take his hand oh to scratch her face yeah and scratches her face yeah yeah that's fucked up yeah that's really, <laughs> fucked, really up. fucked up she also kills him by shooting him in the balls okay yeah which is awful this is a criticism i have <laughs> here's a criticism i have so she sets herself up to be the sole survivor of another ghost face who is supposed to him. Yes. She's right? framing him. Yeah. She and Charlie are framing him. Yes. I was thinking for some reason it was Charlie, but it was like the boyfriend. Deal. Yeah. But my question about it is, why would she think it would not be suspicious that the guy was shot in the balls? Doesn't that seem more personal 
than just like a normal stabbing. Yeah, because part of the thing is that like Trevor cheated on her slash like left her oh, so it's to be, left like, her jealousy. for somebody else. Yeah, there's a lot of jealousy in their relationship. And he's trying to get her back. Like he's trying to redeem himself. Oh right. I mean but I mean like what will Jill think the police perspective. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're is. saying. Perspective is. Yeah. So th- I feel like that's yeah. It's like why would we're supposed to assume Charlie shot him in the balls yeah? It's like why would there was jealousy there? Why would Charlie know. shoot him in the balls? Like Charlie wouldn't have a reason as a man to shoot him in the balls. Like it's very symbolic the fact that she shot him in the balls because there right. was some element of like betrayal or infidelity. So yeah, there's that. I fucking love that scene. <laughs> I'm just like. Um, do you think the movie, like, just because, like, I had had it spoiled for me before I saw it, do you think the movie, like, I guess, like, I guess we can talk about Jill's motive, like, do you think the movie, like, justifies her being the character or, like, or the killer, that's what I meant, do you think the movie justifies Jill being the killer or did you suspect it was somebody else? Um. I know, like, Judy was kind of framed as a suspect. Because yeah, Judy creepy. was definitely suspicious, but as soon as that scene happened where she, like, steps out of the darkness, I'm like, it can't be her because they wouldn't give it away like this. Right, yeah, it's, like, too obvious. Yeah. But also, Billy was obvious in the first one. And then That's true, you but Billy was him. also the first one. Yeah, right. At that point, you don't know the conventions of the... The only thing I didn't really like is that there were two ghost faces. Just let it fucking be Jill. Like, yeah, that also complicate some things like they'd have to change things obviously but yeah like i think having it be a pair again and like once again having someone try and frame just the other person mm-hmm. which happened in scream like i don't know that part gets a little old yeah however the jill reveal is fine it wasn't really that surprising to me like scream i was like holy shit there's no way like my <laughs> mind was blown Whereas at this point, I'm just like, okay, just, like, tell me who it is. Um, yeah, it's like, let's get when this I, When I play, like, um, I've played all 32 of the Nancy Drew PC games. <laughs> oh, my gosh, there's 32? One, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> every single one, you can, like, sense the end is coming, and you're, you, like, know you're going to turn the corner, and it's going to be the, um, like, the thief or the, you know that the perpetrator is going to be revealed, and... There's some games where, like, everyone is so lame or everyone is, has, like, a vague motive that you're just like, come on, just tell me who it is. And it doesn't even matter. You just want to get it on with. That's kind of how I felt about Jill. Yeah. It's it's just interesting with this one because, like, much like Scream 3, they had to be really inventive because, like, the this time the person is not, like, a peer of Sydney's. Like, it's someone who hardly knows her. Again, it's more retconning because, oh, look, here are more relatives we invented. Um, Whereas, like, in one and two, it's, like, people that, like, I mean, Mickey's her age in Scream 2 and, like, she knows Mrs. Loomis. And Scream Mm -hmm. 1, like, she obviously knows Billy and Stu. Scream 3, she had no idea Roman existed. Um, So, like, Scream 4, this is, like, another situation where they had to, like... I feel like get creative because they have been running out of ideas. The thing to me that does sell it is the fact that she goes further than just the basic murders. Like she has more of a plan. Yeah. If the film had ended before she goes on like her 
self-harm spree, it would not have worked. But because she continues Mm -hmm. to go and go and go, it works. Yeah, and she had a plan for, like, talking to reporters. She had a plan for talking to Dewey. Um, Like, she knew, like, what she would do in the hospital. Like, she had a script for herself. Um, And that script did not involve Sydney surviving. But, like she had a plan um and i think they actually did consider ending it with like her being taken to the hospital and like either there being a question of whether sydney was still alive or not or having like killed off sydney um yeah the other way that this movie works well it it could work in theory i guess i should say is if um kirby survives and she becomes a new final girl yeah everybody thinks that kirby survived slash they want her to survive because the original plan for scream 4 was to create a new trilogy um and i guess it just got away from them slash scream 4 didn't do well enough i'm not entirely sure why it didn't immediately launch into like a new trilogy but that was like the original plan um And I think, like, the, like, I think Kevin Williamson and Aaron Kruger, both of the screenwriters who contributed to the script, um, like, have said that Kirby is still alive, or they wanted Kirby to still be alive and to be in future movies. Yeah, Yeah, she's a great character. Yeah, she's a good character. And I think she would make a good final girl. And she's had enough trauma to be a final girl in a sequel, so let's give her that. Yeah, she um, could have done that, but now that we know things about Scream 5, we know that she's not supposed to be in it, so. Unless it's a secret that she's in it, but I don't think she's in it. Yeah, which is kind of upsetting to me. I'm like, what the fuck are you gonna do? Right, like, there's not gonna be enough continuity. But anyway, we'll talk, we'll talk about, about Scream 5. S- <laughs> Scream 5, yeah. Um. So we talked about this a little bit in the last episode about Scream, but... I think my biggest problems with Scream 3 and 4 is, like, the way that so many new characters are introduced and we don't have enough time with them to get to know who they are right. and why we care. Which is why I hope that they go with Kirby. I don't think that's happening. No. But it would be so nice to have someone familiar because every single movie we have to get to know eight new characters and it's just too much. I just can't keep up. Right, yeah. It's only possible to follow them if you've, like, seen the movies multiple times, and that's only by repetition. It's not because, like, there's a whole lot that's, like, substantive of these- for these characters, except for, like, I mean, we know we love Joel in Scream 2. He's, like, a new character that we love, and then, like, I would say Jennifer and the other detective are really memorable in Scream 3, but it's, like, I forgot that freaking Tyson even existed in Scream 3, so, like, yeah, and then Scream 4, they're all just, like, teenagers that kind of all act the they same. They all look the same to me. They all look and act, act the, the same. same, yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely tricky, especially, like, when the great thing about the franchise is the characters and the writing of the characters. And, like, we get the continuity through from the big three. You can only do that so many times when you kill literally every single character off or like don't bring them back for the next one like why wasn't patrick dempsey in scream 4 like because he survived 
Um, right. So, yeah, if it gets to the point where there's, like, no continuity of anybody, it's like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Except for Judy is going to be in Scream 5, so, like, that's extra. Judy and apparently her child. Yes, that's a... hopefully her lemon squares. A leak. Hopefully the lemon squares. Okay, let's talk about Judy Hicks for a second. Um, So, Deputy Judy Hicks is... Oh, we didn't even mention that. Dewey's the sheriff of Woodsboro now. <laughs> After having presumably retired from the police force during Scream 2 and Scream 3, he's somehow back at it in Woodsboro. Dramaturgy just wasn't for him. It wasn't for him. He Turns out he can only know anything about Woodsboro. <laughs> True. Yeah, so he's somehow the sheriff of Woodsboro. I don't think he's a great sheriff. It's very... I, I think this is cute in the way that, like, it's very clear that people still do not have any respect for him. <laughs> like, the first movie. Although he is, like, he's not as goofy, and he's obviously, like, 40 at this point. So, like, yeah. And he's not, like, a cute young kid anymore. Like, he's definitely more mature and grown up, but... He and he embodies a leader, but I still wouldn't say that he is as quick and as on top of it as he could be. Like, Gail wants to get in there and solve the murders, and she offers him her help multiple times, and he's like, I cannot do that because I'm the sheriff now. Um, which I get, but on the other hand, as Gail says, I helped solve these things three times. Gail saves the day in almost every single movie slash figures out who the killer is before everybody else. And he wants nothing to do with her, which is kind of shitty. Um, so he's still not super on top of solving it, but he is like a leader and a boss and like people respect, at least his deputies respect him. The high schoolers do not respect him still. Um, cause, like, there's that one scene of, like, Kirby speeding through the neighborhood, and he tells her to slow down. (laughs) Um. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, back to Judy Hicks. So, Judy Hicks is Dewey's deputy. She's very flirtatious, and she is an overachiever. It's very obvious that she is an overachiever, um, and wants to do her job perfectly, and she's just, like, a kiss-ass. Because she bakes... Finally some representation. Yes, she bakes goods for um, Dewey and the rest of the police department. Um, Something that I've actually been thinking about. So, friend of the pod, Sophia, rightfully has disdain for Judy because she flirts with Dewey and Gail doesn't like that. Um, And she kind of gets in between their relationship a little bit. Um, but something I've been thinking about is, like, what if Gail's, like, dislike for Judy is because, like, she sees in Judy what she sees in herself and, like, somebody who is going to, like, go the extra mile and, like, she feels threatened by that, in addition to the fact that she's blatantly, like, flirting with her husband, um, slash Gail's just sensitive about her marriage in general, but... That's what that's what I've been thinking about recently. Yeah, um, I could see that. I could also see though that like Gail is just trying to find some purpose. Yeah, that too. So she desperately wants to help Dewey, and she's 
pushed out, but this other woman right. is working with him, and, like... She wants, like, the old working relationship back that they had. Like, she wants the old partnership that they had and like the how how, like solving the murders like had brought them together so many times um like she knows it's something she's good at and something that they can do together and Dewey's just like no um I was gonna say there's two things that just came to mind that I remembered so one in Scream 3 I know this is going back but it's very important um in Scream 3 Gail is written in a way where she reminds me more of Tatum than of Gail like, with a lot of her comebacks and shit and, like, her snark. Like, yeah, Gail has always been snarky. Yeah. But some of the way she talks to Dewey in a few parts, it, I'm like, this is just Tatum. Yeah, I can see that. Thing number two. So, Sydney's aunt, Kate, is killed by Jill. And this is interesting to me because the first three films center around murders that occur because of a mother-child relationship Mm -hmm. and then this one she kills her own mother yeah and it's like essentially because of their relationship too because like she's jealous of the attention that sydney's gotten she says something about her mom she says like no great loss there so it's like damn like (laughs) killing your own mom and being like well no great loss like yikes (laughs) yikes um and, like, there's not a whole lot with Kate in the movie. It would have been nice to see more scenes with her. She was just kind of, like, a filler character. All she does is go to the grocery store, like, Yeah, and, PM. like, be depressed. Like, be yeah, kind of weird like, and sad. She's kind of awkward, and then she goes to the grocery store for wheat thins and bread at 10.30 in the evening. And then gets <laughs> and then killed. she says she'll be right back. Yep. That's that. Back to Judy just briefly, though. Um... Oh, the other thing, the other thing, Gail is sensitive about her marriage. I totally forgot about Rebecca, who's Sydney's publicist, who she fires. <laughs> um, she's played by Alison Brie, Bicon Alison Brie. Um, and she's, like, annoying, but, like, in a funny way. Um, she She's Sydney's, like, publicist who's on the book tour with her. And she has a scene where outside of the police department where she meets Gail and um, she's all like perky and we all know that that is not Gail's vibe and she asks like how long have you and Dewey been married and Gail goes 10 years and Rebecca says oh just like your characters in Stab 3 wow and she's like so surprised (laughs) that they've been married for 10 years Gail kind of mocks her and Rebecca can see that it rubbed her the wrong way. And Rebecca's like, I'm just saying that like, it always seemed like a movie romance because it was a movie and in real life you two would never be. And Gail just like glares at her. And then Rebecca starts asking her about like her tarnished brand and like her sinking career and stuff. Like she literally just like went and pushed like all of Gail's buttons. Um, And that's a good scene because we get to see the classic gail bitchiness that's not related to judy the other thing related to judy is we found out that judy went to high school with sydney and was in a school play with her so there is at least some callback to the fact that sydney was interested in acting um and it also seems that judy had like a weird fixation on sydney at least in that scene which i think it's just to set her up as a sub a suspect 
but yeah. it seems that she was like, oh, I was like a lost boy and you were Wendy, I think. I think Sydney played Wendy. And um, Sydney does not remember her at all. But for Judy, like, she was like, I mean, she obviously knew who she was because she played Wendy, but like, I don't know. There's There's definitely something like weird there and i think it was just supposed to be weird <laughs> um okay um yeah so my other things are is that in the original script um there's actually several deleted scenes for this movie but in the original script um gail and dewey were supposed to be having fertility issues they're supposed to be having a child um or they were supposed to be trying to have a child Oof. um and there's actually the scene is on youtube um, it's a blooper. It's not, like, a scene. Um, where, like, they're getting ready for their day in the bathroom. And um, I think the gag that happens in this blooper is that David Arquette starts peeing in the toilet. Gail has a line that says, It's okay, Dewey. There's always next month. So, like, implies that they're trying. But that's, like, the only little snippet we get of that plot point of that they're trying to have children and they can't. Which, in real life, Courtney Cox and David Arquette did have trouble having children. And on top of that, during this movie, filming this movie is basically when they decided to split up. So there's that layer onto the performance as well, is that they're having problems, but then in real life they were having problems. And then by the time the movie premiered, yeah. they had split up. Um, My proposal. What if, instead of Charlie and Jill... What if the two ghost faces would have been Kate and Jill? Ooh, that would have been interesting. That would have made Kate's character so much more interesting. Wow. Like, bring back the the hallucinations of Sydney's mother, but, like, have Kate have them. Mm-hmm. Kate has this weird line of, like, her mom was my sister, I have scars too. Nobody asks me about my scars. <laughs> and it's like so, she's so awkward. Um, Everyone always asks, who are you? <laughs> Not, how are you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so there's that. It'd be, it would have been interesting to dive into that a little bit more. But they were like so focused on the idea of a reboot. I think they were focused on the teenage characters. But then like they never did anything with the teenage characters because Scream 5 did not happen until now. But now it's happening with completely different characters. Yay. Yay. I'm sure it will be great. Yeah. Do we want to segue into that or do we have anything yeah. else to say about Scream 4? No, let's go ahead and segue. Um, I want to contextualize Scream 5 real quick. So Scream 5 just wrapped filming, I want to say like last week or the week before. And the title of it is actually just Scream. And the reason for this is it's, like, supposed to be, for real this time, like, a relaunch of the franchise. Because they relaunched the Halloween franchise in 2018 and just called it Halloween instead of giving it a sequel name. Um, and the directors are Matt Bettinelli-Open and Tyler Gillette, and they directed Ready or Not which was a 2019 horror film, which I actually haven't seen, but I've heard, like, a lot of good things about it. So um, they took it on to make sure that it was in good hands because 
Wes Craven, who directed all four of the Scream movies, died in 2015. So there's the reasoning for that. And Kevin Williamson, who was the original screenwriter and creator, is executive producing, but he is not writing the script. Um, And, like, the vague plot of it is that... Um, it's centered around a troubled young woman, presumably in her 20s, um, who returns to her hometown where her estranged teenage sister still lives to try to solve a series of murders. That's it. That's, like, all we've got in terms of leaked information, um, other than who the cast members are. Um, and Zach Cherry did some leaks of the character description on his YouTube channel a few months ago, and where he describes all of them based on the um the audition material or whatever that was leaked and they're all like young adult or teenager characters and like the difference between this and the previous movies is that there's supposed to be more racial diversity and lgbtq representation nice. so there's that we all we all love that um and the big three have signed on they're in it nev campbell courtney cox david arquette are all in it Um, Marley Shelton, who played Judy, is supposed to be in it, and supposedly Heather Matarazzo will make an appearance, and that is theorized because cast members tagged her in an Instagram post when they were in North Carolina filming a couple months ago. Yes! So. Oh, I'm so excited. So, what is some, what are some speculations you have? Slash things that we've heard from our inside sources. Um, there was speculation that some of it was supposed to take place in, like, a Costco. Yes, that's right. I love that idea. Like, imagine a final, like, a third act, like, a final 40 minutes or whatever in a Costco. Yeah. That is, like, that could, they could come up with some really creative, like, chase like an Ikea. scenes there. Um, but based- <laughs> Imagine a horror movie just set in an Ikea. Oh my gosh, that'd be so funny. Um, based on the, um, like, the stuff that's been leaked and, like, the pictures that have been taken, supposedly the final scene takes place in a house, so that's not- That's probably not it. Okay. But, um, there could still be Costco chase scenes. I'd be yeah. down to see some of that. Go for it, man. Yeah, there's plenty right. of space to run around and hide and shit. Ghostface disguises himself as a sample passer powder. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. So this isn't speculation, but, like, something I would want to happen. I already talked about Kirby, but I've kind of just accepted that that is not going to happen. I was thinking about who Ghostface will be and, like, who would possibly have a motive now. I was thinking um, a sibling of Cotton Weary to get revenge for his own death or like Sydney's agent. I think she has a new book agent. And I was thinking more about that. So if it were an agent, they would commit these murders to get more attention on Sydney. But what if, like, something really weird happened and they were like, yeah, fuck it. And they, like, made Gail Ghostface. Oh, my gosh. I would love to see it. No, we don't know. One of the things that, like, I just really have no idea about is, like, how they 
are involving Sydney, Dewey, and Gale because, like, it's not confirmed whether this takes place in Woodsboro or not, or if it takes place somewhere right, else. Right, we assume the hometown is Woodsboro, but we don't It could know be something sure. else. Yeah, because the, um, I don't know what you call it, like, the working title or the, um, yeah, the working title that was on the call sheets was, like, Parkside or Parkside Alpha. And so there's theorizations that not only was that a code word for Scream, but it's the name of the town. That's just a theory. But, like, they're, the cast of other people, like the other young adults and teenagers that are in this, is huge. Like, it's a lot of people that are in this movie. So it just, like, makes me wonder, like, how are they going to incorporate like, the main three actors that have been in the rest of the movies in a way that, like, relates to them to, like, this huge amount of new people. Um, the one link that we s- sort of know about, semi-confirmed, is um, the thing that's, like, basically confirmed is that they, that Judy Hicks has a teenage son. Um, so one of the characters is her son. So that's, like, one connection, but anything else about Scream 5? It comes out January 2022 is the release date. We are going. We are going. I am so hyped to see a Scream movie in a movie theater. I mean, God willing, it's in a movie theater. I sure hope it's in a movie theater at that point. Um, Who knows what 2022 is going to look like. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to, like, Hopefully not have it spoiled for me. Be able to have it be a mystery of, like, who the killer is. Get to see it in a movie theater. I will literally fly out to you and we'll make a weekend of it. Oh my we'll gosh, have a yes. Yes, a stabathon. We'll yeah, my friend Jacob from high school, who I also shared these movies with um, back in the day, he also wants to see it together and I'm like you gotta fly to Minnesota because that's probably where I'll be <laughs> yeah I'm ready to make that trip yeah I'm gonna it worth save it save up my my pennies I think it'll be good I'm excited I mean I like have heard enough good things about like the production team that like I trust that they're not gonna completely fuck this up not in like, not in like a scream three way i don't think you can get i was worse gonna say than i'm like at this point like i'm just gonna have a good time even if it's bad that didn't stop me from rewatching scream three like six times so far yeah yeah it's gonna be fun i'm excited it can't come soon enough honestly we have like 13 months to go <laughs> assuming that it doesn't get pushed back um, let's talk about, now that we have discussed all four films, let's talk about how we would rank them. So, like, what are your favorites in order from favorite to least favorite? Um, favorite is Scream 1, obviously. Second favorite, Scream 2. Three and four at times are, like, interchangeable to me. Like, objectively, I know that Scream 4 is a better movie, but Scream 3 is still enjoyable. So it kind of depends on, like, my vibe. 
like what I'm vibing with. Um, That's fair. Yeah, like Scream 3 has like a lot of Gale and Dewey in it, which is probably why I love it, because I love them. Even though, like we talked about, it's like not great as a Scream movie. Um, But yeah, they're kind of interchangeable for me. But objectively, 4 is the better movie. (laughs) Scream 1 is my favorite. I think Scream 2 is my second favorite, but there's also some parts of it that really drag. Yeah. I, But it's fine. And then for me, for a while, Scream 4 was like my salad preferred film of 3 and 4. However, I really love Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we Heather spent Matarazza. enough time with Carrie Fisher. Like, her scene in Scream 3, that was like, I had forgotten she had a cameo in it. So when I s- remembered the scene was coming when we were watching it with you, I, like, squealed because I was like, oh my gosh, Abby is gonna flip her shit at what's about to happen. I was like, wait for it. <laughs> She's coming. <Yeah. laughs> and her few lines are just so good. And, like, I can't believe they got her to do that movie. <laughs> I know. How much did they pay her for that? Yeah. Like, Hello? I was just watching Sex and the City, the TV show, not the movies, Yeah. because um, it was, like, the only thing on TV, and my dad was putting up the Christmas tree, and I was watching Sex and the City, and we were, like, chatting about old shows, and Carrie Fisher came on the screen. Oh, my and gosh. And she must have been in an episode. A or wild I don't Carrie know. Fisher appears. I was like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. It was really wild, because um, I've been thinking about her a lot recently. Yeah. So, just... So yeah, I love Carrie Fisher and Heather, so like, those kind of make it creep up Mm -hmm. on the list. Plus, I love a good old Hollywood mansion. Yeah, with like the um, bookshelf secret passageways and stuff. Like, after mentioning that I played all 32 Nancy Drew games earlier, like, hidden passageways. Yeah, there's definitely some Nancy Drew vibes in that movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's also Nancy Drew vibes in Scream 4 because Emma Roberts played Nancy Drew in the Very 2007 true. Nancy Drew film, You're right. which takes place at an old Hollywood mansion. That movie, I just rewatched it, is so insufferable, <laughs> but I love I've, it. I've never seen it. I never put myself through that. We're going to have to watch it. We have to watch that. We have to watch Barbie as the princess and the pauper. It will change your life. I'm excited. Um... I guess that's that's it for the rankings then. Mm-hmm. That was pretty easy. Yeah. Okay, here's another question. If you could save one character from death in the series, who would you save? Does it have to be like someone who's died or can I like pre-save Gale? No, like it has to be someone who's who's dead. Like if they you could <sighs> make it so like they actually survived. Oh my gosh, you know what I just realized we didn't talk about? This is not related. But the framing device at the beginning of Scream 4. Yeah, it crossed my mind. I just didn't bring it up. Yeah. Let's, we, we can talk about it. Um, Let's do it. Oh my gosh, this is going to be the world's longest episode. Um, yeah, so there's several fr- fake beginnings to Scream 4. There's an opener. It is Lucy Hale and... Shanae Grimes, something like that, those actresses, are talking about horror movies and they get a spooky phone call and they both get killed. 
and then the screen, you know, like splices and it's revealed that that is stab six. Um, that's the opener to stab six, which characters played by Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin are watching and they're talking about horror movies. And then, um, Anna Paquin's character is complaining about how formulaic the stab movies are and how they're so predictable. And then Kristen Bell's character stabs her right in the stomach and kills her. And then screen splices, and it's revealed that that's the beginning of Stab 7, which um, Marnie and Jenny are watching. And they're talking about horror movies and the Stab franchise. And then they get a phone call from Ghostface and both get killed and chased around the house chased around the house and then killed um it's actually the movie that time so there are several fake beginnings to scream for which i actually i thought that was clever um i thought that was surprising i loved it yeah i i really liked watching your reaction for that because i was like she doesn't know that this isn't the real movie yeah <laughs> right yeah i was like when there were the two teenage girls i was like okay. yeah and it's like but she doesn't know when it's gonna like, at what oh. point is it gonna be the actual movie yeah i think it was a very nice like reintroduction like if you think about it like it'd been 10 years since there had been a screen movie and that's like a good reintroduction to like the meta-ness of it all yeah i think it works really well i was gonna say so when comparing Scream 3 and 4, Carrie Fisher and Kincaid's sidekick and the mansion bring it up. Mm-hmm. But for Scream 4, the opening and then the self-mutilation Emma Roberts scene. losing yeah. it. Yeah, those are what bring yeah. that up. Yeah, me. they definitely both have their like highlights and like low points. <laughs> Scream 4 is where they have all the technology too. So they're like live broadcasting. And this is a comment I made when we were watching it but like the idea is that they'll have footage of all the murders and um the guy keeps going live as well he's like i'm live right now what's up guys it's like a vlog yeah robbie has a vlog Yeah. yeah that i don't know maybe i'm just like too i don't i don't know the thought of live streaming murders after something like that actually happened in real life. Of course, it was after Scream 4 happened, but watching Scream 4, knowing that it happened, was just, it was really hard to process. Yeah, like, it's like, process. Mm, I wouldn't go there. Like, in retrospect, I wouldn't put that in a movie. <laughs> um, right, yeah, it was like that. I mean, I personally movie. don't think it really adds anything other than... Like, it helps Gail figure out what's happening. It's part of... It's going to be part of, like, the legacy of um, Jill surviving. But other than... Like, it's right. not really... It didn't... Re- I don't think it really needed to be there. It really dates it, in my it opinion. It does, yeah. It, like... Even though it's it was filmed, obviously, so long after Scream, it still makes it feel so much older because mm-hmm. it references the technology so much. Yeah, that's funny. You know, something I think about, um, we've talked about this a bit before, is, like, like 2010, 11, 12, 13 was, like, this era of, like, okay, we're gonna make things woke, but, like, they've aged so beyond horribly. Like, Glee is the perfect example (laughs) of this. 
um, of just, like, people trying so hard to be, like, we're in a new decade and we're still early in the century and we're gonna make things fresh. Um, but when you look back on it, it's, like, this was clearly made in, like, 2010. <laughs> like, it's, there's something very specific about, like, the 2010 era of media. But maybe things will just continue to date themselves and we'll be looking at stuff 10 years from now and say the same thing. <laughs> um, if I could save any character, I would save Randy. And I hate to use my one revive to save a man. Right. However, he's the representation that I like in the Scream franchise. <laughs> and his know-it-all self just brings me joy. I do think that Scream 3 works really well in the way that it's, um, like, he knew ahead of time that this would happen. Mm -hmm. I think that's perfectly in character for him, and it makes sense, but I miss him. Right. What if he was, like, in a coma instead? That would be fun. Yeah, I was re when I was reading trivia, um, there was a theory that, like, um... Randy's family actually saved him when he was in the midst of, like, when they were in the midst of, when the ghost faces were in the midst of trying to kill him. Like, he was actually, like, taken away and, like, protected and alive. Um, that was, like, something that was like, cut from Scream 3. Princess protection program, yeah. but it's Randy and Scream. Yeah, so he was supposed to be in Scream 3 as well, but they were like, mm, that's not plausible enough, so... No. Um, so, were they supposed to have... Was that the same script where Stu was also going to be alive? There were so many, <laughs> I think, versions of it. I just wondered if their plan that was to... I'm not sure if... I'm not sure. Because I'm not sure, you know, it's unclear what version they're talking about. You know, when they talk about, like, previous ver previous versions of the script. Yeah, and I'm it pretty sure been there multiple... were some, like, completely fake versions out there anyway right. that they made in case they leaked. Yeah, because so, this was the advent of the internet and chat rooms. Um, yeah, who would I save? I was going to say Joel, but Joel doesn't die. <laughs> um, they just don't bring him back. I don't know, I'm like kind of inclined to say Tatum because I like Tatum a lot, but also the series would be so different if she didn't die in the first movie, I feel like. Um, so... Yeah, I don't think Mrs. Loomis would have survived in Scream 2. As long as she did, if Tatum was still alive, she would have found that bitch and sucker punched her. Yeah. Imagine if instead of Hallie and Sydney in the car, it were Tatum and Sydney. Yeah, they would have made it. And she's like, take the mask off. Take it off. Tatum would have pulled that thing off, man. Yeah, I think my, my tentative answer is Tatum. I don't really have a lot of other... Like, I mean, I like Jennifer in Scream 3, but there's really... There was really not a reason for her to survive, as bad as that sounds. Um, Should we move on to the pyramid? Yes. Now we're going to move into the pyramid. We'll do six places again. Okay. Does that sound yeah. good? Okay. So what are you putting at sixth place in the pyramid? Um, Gail's... I want to say Gail's bangs, even though it's, like, basic. Or, like, Gail's yellow pantsuit in Scream 3. Okay. Scream 4 is the only movie, basically, where she dresses normal. She dresses kind of normal in Scream 2, but Scream 4 is the only yeah. movie where she wears normal clothes. I just want to 
throw that out there. I love her last costume in the first scream, though. Yeah, that, it's like, so That, like, tan cute. coat with the red. Yeah, and, like, the little plaid, like, skirt. Still looks like Diana Goodman from Next to Normal, but yeah. that's okay. Um, okay, we'll give sixth place to Gail's bangs slash... Her yellow suit and Scream 3. Fifth place. Um, I'm going to award fifth place to the decision for Roman not to wear his glasses when he takes off the ghost face mask. <laughs> like, if you're going to do that, just don't give the man glasses at all. It's yeah. confusing. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I was like, okay, who's this bitch? I haven't seen him before. <laughs> Yeah, I felt so I mean, silly. It doesn't help that he was also like never in the movie. He was in like three other scenes. Yeah, very <laughs> true. But it was like the same problem I had with Mickey, where like I kept confusing Mickey and Derek the whole movie for Scream yeah. Two. So I was like, okay, great. But then it was supposed to be significant because, of course, it was the a brother. And I literally had to ask you, I'm like, who is this? And you're like, oh, the director. And I was like. Which one was that again? Yeah, he also faked his death. He's also in that, like, creepy prop closet sitting in a fake coffin with, like, fake blood on him. Yeah. Maybe that's why I just, like, checked him out. But, yeah, that's fifth place. Do you have any ideas? Otherwise, I'll think of one. I got a funny one. (laughs) What about, like, the scene where... Sydney's publicist gets pushed off the parking garage and onto the news van and dies. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of yeah, afraid. That good to me. scene actually kind of made me scared of parking garages. After the first movie, I was afraid of. Girl, I'm already scared of, of home garages. garages. And then after Scream 4, I was afraid of like public parking garages, which are still creepy as fuck just on, them, on their own. Let's give fourth place then. To that moment, but particularly, no, that's not, to that moment, but specifically when Dewey goes up to check her pulse. Yeah, because I think she had also already been stabbed at that point. So she'd been stabbed and and thrown off a building and fallen on a Like five stories. And he's like, "Eh, maybe she's fine. Yeah. Also, this happens during a press conference where Dewey's trying to tell the populace of Woodsboro that everything's under control and that they have some leads. Third place. So I have an idea for second place and first place, but I don't I don't know about third place. Oh. Okay. Um is Carrie Fisher in first or second place? Are we gonna give her mm-hmm. a spot? Okay, okay, fair enough. Um what about Devin Skillian? <laughs> um <laughs> The cameo by local local for Detroit um, evening news anchor Devin Skillian. He deserves it. He did so good. Yeah. Also, third place though, I would say is um, Emma Roberts scratching her own face. Ooh, yep, gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I have taken over for a second and first place. Sorry, um, that's okay. I'll contribute. But I think you'll agree with them. I think. Second place, I'm giving to the most relatable moment from Scream 4, which is... I was going to say that. (laughs) Yep, I already know what you're going to say. Gail is sitting at her computer and she's trying to write a book. And she's staring at a blank document and then she finally just mutters to herself and types... I have no fucking idea what to 
right. Me. Yeah, that's just, a mood. That's a that's a oh writer mood. God. That's a student mood. That's a scholar In mood. In case you guys aren't aware, um, I am an author. Abby's an author. I'm <laughs> I'm currently working on the third draft of a young adult slash new adult political fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. so there's that, and it's going fine. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes i just like look at it and i just want to cry but i'm like no Abby, you got this it's okay i have an honorable mention as well before we get to first place my honorable mention is the box of wheat thins that gets placed <laughs> on the counter is it wheat thins or is it like ritz crackers i really think it's okay wheat thins. we'll have maybe to i'm wrong but like i remember it's definitely it a box thins. of crackers and there's yeah, like a so even bread. if it's not, it's like, it's funny that I remember it as Wheat Thin, so <laughs> I'm fine. Even if I'm wrong, I'm like, True. it's okay. Um, My honorable second place, I would say, um, is the scene where Dewey proposes to Gil, because it's really cute. He cuts out um, a box shape in um, the book, The Woodsboro Murders, which was her first book. And puts a ring in it and proposes to her at the end of Scream 3. Um, which is cute. It kind of doesn't make any sense because, like, the fact that the books exist kind of trigger him. But, um, which she says in the scene. But, you know, romance. They got a happy ending. Okay. Time for the, the top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Top of my heart. Miss Carrie Fisher. Yes. Gets first place for carrying Scream 3 on her back. <laughs> it's funny because, dear listener, if you have not watched this movie, Carrie Fisher is in the movie for maybe three minutes. <laughs> but it's perfect. It's perfect in every way. I was up for Princess Leia. I was this close. So who gets it? The one who sleeps with George Lucas. I- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring up a-, a sore subject for you. Sure you didn't. None of them did. I'll put a little sound bite of her Princess Leia joke because that it's is classic. good. She definitely wrote that herself. Yeah. I just really love Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. I love her very much. That's it, I guess. That's all. Yeah. That's all we have to say about Scream 3 and 4. Unfortunately, we've now covered all of the Scream films, so... Yeah. Stay tuned for 2022 when we can cover Scream yeah. 5. Um, let's not cover the MTV TV series. Yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. It's like its own universe. It's its own it. thing because... Does it acknowledge the, the films no. at all? Um, the okay. only pieces of acknowledgement is they use the ghost face mask and they use cell phones. If you enjoyed this episode, please send it to a friend or leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect to us on Twitter at What's Next Pod C. And number three. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Oh!